You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Open your Bibles again. That's another thing. I, I really hope that you bring your Bibles with you and take some notes. You can open up again over to Isaiah chapter 30. We looked at this these verses last week, I'm going to do a little bit of review, and then we're going to get into the topic of rest. We're talking about uh, the discipline of stillness in our life, learning how to get quiet before God so we can hear what he's saying to us. Again, what we have is we have, uh, the Bible has a couple of different terms for it. Um, when we talk about the word of God, there is the written word and the whole fullness of the word, which is uh the scripture, the Greek language uses the term logos for that. And so uh, we have the word and the written word, and that is the foundation, okay? The Bible is Jesus in written form, okay? So that is the foundation of all that we hear and believe from God. But there's also uh, the word rhema, which means the spoken word of God. The, the, what is immediately, what is the spirit of God immediately breathing into your heart? That's called Rama, the Rama word of God. And we need to trust him for both of those. And so as we're digging into the written word of God, then we trust the spirit of God to breathe some parts of that into our heart. And those parts come full of life and transformational power to change who we are and uh, bring themselves to pass. So so we've, we want to learn how to get quiet before God, to quiet our hearts, to quiet our minds, to, to, so that we can hear what he's saying to us. Huge part of hearing what God is saying. So we've been talking through these different aspects, and I'm just going to review a little bit here uh, from what we were talking about last week, and then um, we're going to start talking specifically about this idea of rest that we find in the scripture. So Isaiah chapter uh, 30, verse 15, again, we looked at this last week. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in, okay, this is the only way this works, only in returning to me, that means repentance, and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence, those two things are linked, quietness and confidence is your strength. And then it says, but you would have none of it. Okay, we talked through a lot of this last week, but I'll remind you this this term "saved" here. It's not really talking. It's not talking about the idea, um, or only the idea that we have of our salvation as far as being united with God and going to heaven. Okay, it's a much broader word than that. And actually, even in the New Testament, our word "salvation" is a much broader word. That there there actually is no concept in the Bible of salvation that is only about the, the aspect of forgiveness of sin and now I'm going to spend eternity with God. That's a huge part of salvation. But salvation is a much broader idea, Old Testament and new. And so in this particular case, what's being stressed here is salvation as delivered from distress and danger. Okay, delivered from distress and danger delivered from tribulation, which means extreme pressure in life. It means being delivered from certain death, from enemies, like if you were in a war. So in other words, it's the idea of victory over enemies. 
And it means to find compassionate aid in time of need. The term salvation, I don't have time to go into it this morning, but it encompasses the, the blessing of God for every aspect of living, spirit, soul, body, financial, uh, relational, um, career. I mean, you name it, it's encompassed in the idea of salvation. It's, it's blessing and favor upon every area and spending eternity with God, which obviously is an enormous part of salvation. It's just that that's been kind of overemphasized in many cases, and the, the rest sort of left behind. So this scripture tells us that repentance, turning around, turning away from whatever's drawing us away from God, or, or it might be sin, it might just be wrong thinking, whatever it is, turning away from that and turning back to God, changing the way we think and going toward God. That's what repentance is. And this scripture tells us that repentance and having rest or peace in our hearts those two things are vitally linked. If, you, if we keep resisting God, in other words, we will not have peace. We will be agitated. We will be fearful. We will be angry. We will be bitter. We will be mean to people. We will be all kinds of things. We will be agitated on the inside when we just keep resisting God. And sometimes we do that. If God's, you know, the, the easy advice is, if God's telling you something, do it. Just do it. Just surrender to it. Just submit to it. It'll go well. It really will. It, it will go well. But if we keep living contrary to the word, we're not going to find rest, peace, quiet for our souls. Okay? And we're, we're going to talk a lot more about what that means in a few minutes. But in this particular passage, this word rest means to calm down, to quiet the emotions, talked about this last week, quiet the emotions and still the mouth. A lot of times those two things go together, okay? If your emotions continue to be wrought up, try stilling the mouth, okay? And I, and I know the, the contemporary wisdom is don't ever hold anything inside. There are some things we need to hold inside. We don't need to, to repeat every thought that comes to our head. We want to be speaking and declaring the things that come from God. And I promise, not every thought that comes into your head, who can admit it with me, comes from God, okay? Well, we don't need to be spewing that stuff out because again, words are seeds. I could give you a lot of scripture on this, but words work like seeds. They contain something. And when we put them, when we speak them out, we hear them, we put them back into our hearts and we just begin to, we just reproduce the same things over and over and over. We get this cycle going on on the inside of us. So, so it's very important that we turn away from what's drawing us away from God, turn back to him and come into this place of resting, quieting our heart, quieting our mouth and this place of quiet before him. And, and in that we will find this deliverance, this freedom, this victory, uh, that we are looking for. All right. And then it says, it makes a statement, and I'm going to bring this up again today because we're going to read this again in the next verses we look at or a similar statement. The Lord gives them this instruction and then he says, but you would have none of it. Okay. So God is telling them for the umpteenth time, here's the way to live. And he just says to them, but you would have none of it. In other words, you're rejecting what the word is saying, okay? 
And I know none of us like to think that we do that, but we do at times. We, for various reasons, we just, and I'm not talking about where you didn't understand something yet from the word, where you didn't know, uh, like Annie just talked to us about when she discovered the truth about tithing. Well, before that, she didn't know that. But God was faithful to bring that truth to her. And so she built it into her life. That's kind of what we're talking about here instead of, but you would have none of it. And what you need to understand is that any time God brings instruction or correction into our lives, he does it for our benefit. He does it. It's always an opportunity. Every instruction that comes from God is an opportunity to step into more of his life and more of his blessing and more of his fullness and even a greater understanding of his heart and who he is. It's always an opportunity. He never brings correction to us to, to criticize us, to put us down, to make us feel less than. He came, Jesus came to take away shame, okay? But, but he is our coach and he does, I mean, a good coach corrects what's wrong in the athlete to make the athlete better. And, and that's who the Holy Spirit is, right? He wants us to have, well, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. It doesn't even just say, I love that terminology because it doesn't even just say life and abundant life, like that's a finite thing. It's life and life more abundantly. Well, where, when does the more end? You know, I mean, well, uh, my life's way better in you. All these areas are so much better in you than they used to be. Maybe this is abundant life. No, it's more abundantly. There's more. There's always more in God. Not a one of us are experiencing yet everything that God has for us. That makes sense to you? So this is a confrontational statement, but you would have none of it. But God isn't saying that because he's ticked. God isn't just, you know, like we might be saying, yeah, but you won't listen, you know. It's not because he's angry. It's because it's like a mother with a child that wants them to do well. It's, you know, it's, it's this father coming and saying, but you would have none of it. Here, you, you can have rest. You can have peace. You can have this uh, quiet confidence. And, and in that will be strength. And we saw last week that that word strength means the fullness of the power that's found within all of God's mighty works. He wants our life to be filled with the power of God, not just for us, but for the people around us. He wants us to go out there and undo the works of the devil. He wants us to overcome sin and weakness and all those things in our lives and then help other people into that abundant life too. That takes strength. And he says, here, I'm offering all this to you, but you'd have none of it. Why? Because they didn't want, that would require repentance and rest. Quieting the emotions and stilling the mouth. Okay, those were required in order to come to what God had for them. And he says, but you'd have none of it. So I just, uh, I just say this to remind us that this is, and again, we're going to see this again in the next verse in Jeremiah that we're going to look at. Uh, this is an ongoing thing. We have to live with a heart, like we just sang, that is surrendered to the Lord. 
where if he gives us, but, but, I'm, but I'm saying a key to that, a key to having that surrendered heart is to know God wants your best. God's on your side. He's not just giving you rules for rules sake. He never has. He never has. Every correction he brings is to lead us into life. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So then we looked at Isaiah 26, 3. I just want to bring out one more thing from that. That verse says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you and hopes confidently in you. I just want to bring out, just emphasize today that word stayed. We talked about this verse pretty thoroughly last week. But that word stayed, our mind to be stayed on him. This is how we find this place of peace in our heart. It says if, if our mind is stayed on him, we will have perfect and constant peace. In other words, we're not going to be constantly fearful, agitated, worried, looking you know, around at what, what, what could happen, what might be, what if, you know, all of that. This word stayed, to have my mind stayed on God, it means to lay down on something, okay? And to be supported by something. To lay down on something, to be supported by what you're laying on, or to, it's also a picture in the Hebrew of leaning against a wall, okay? Leaning your weight against a support, all right? So when I lay down on my, our bed, okay, I am resting the whole of my weight over on that bed. And that bed is supporting all of my weight. So when he says, keep your mind stayed on me, that's what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about transferring uh, our confidence, transferring the weight of my life. Instead of me constantly trying to figure out in my own ability how to make this thing work. How is this thing going to work out? What might happen? What are all the possibilities? Instead of going through that, which has very little peace in it. And I'm not saying, and the scripture doesn't say not to plan or not to prepare for things. It's not that. You know the difference. But when I'm laying awake at night, grinding over something about how that's going to work, the fact that I'm laying awake at night tells me something isn't right, Okay. I have lost my peace or I would be asleep, all right? But instead, I'm not resting the weight of my future and my thoughts. I'm not putting my mind, my thoughts, my way of thinking, my way of approach. I'm not laying it over on the Lord and on his word. I'm holding it myself. I'm working it through in human ability. There's no peace there. If we want to have this continual peace, we've got to learn how to rest the weight of tomorrow and yesterday and what's, what's going on in our lives. We've got to rest the weight of it over on him. We've, we want to be thinking his thoughts. We want his words to be up the upholding factor in what we're thinking about. All right, so the way that we do that, I mean, in a very practical sense is when I'm thinking through something, and, uh, and the thoughts that I'm thinking don't line up with the word, again, I need to take those thoughts captive, put the handcuffs on them, stuff them in the squad car, and replace them with the words of God. What has God said about my reputation? What has God said 
about my marriage? What has God said about my finances? What has God said about my children, my family, your children, your family? Uh, what, what has God said about my community? What is possible? What is possible in God for Gunnison, Colorado? I'm not seeing, I'm, you know, just I see this and I see that. Well, stop talking what you see and start talking what God sees. Stop agitating over what you see today in the natural that is all going to be burned up and go away someday. And what's going to be left? The word of God. It's eternal. So stop agitating and, and working and speaking all of that and start working on what God has said. Okay, and in that place of quiet confidence is your strength. Okay, all right, let's, uh, let's move forward because I really want to get into this today. We just have about 15 minutes left. I want to talk to you about rest, at least begin to talk to you about rest. This is another one of these words that speaks into this whole idea of the discipline of stillness. So we're going to use, there are lots of scriptures we could use. We're going to use Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, because this is really, really practical. Uh, what you have on your screen is from the New Living Translation, the second edition. It says, this is what the Lord says. So again, here's the word of God. Here's what God says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Okay, so same thing. And here's what I love about this. God already knows that a lot of the heart of Israel at this point is, no, that's not the road we want. We're going to take the road we want not what you're saying. Okay, he already knows it. That doesn't stop him from saying it again and again and again to his children. That's called faithfulness. Even when we're resisting God, he'll keep speaking into your life, hoping that you make the decision to grab hold of what he's saying. Okay, even when God already knows whether you're going to receive or reject what he's saying, he will go ahead and say it. He will set a table before you. He will bring the word that you need into your life, word that I need into my life. He'll do it. Why? Because he's faithful. And he shows himself faithful again and again and again. Our part, our responsibility is to take hold of his word. So let me tell you about this word rest. This is very similar in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Hebrew and the Greek. And it is the idea of a state of continual rest and refreshment in the midst of activity. Okay? A lot of times when we think of rest, we think of cease from activity, do nothing, right? Lay on the couch, do nothing. That's rest. That's not the kind of rest. The rest that he gives us is better than that, superior to that. He gives us a rest that is, it's continual rest, and it is refreshment in the middle of activity. So in other words, we're moving, we're doing, and yet we are not laboring and getting more tired. We are actually getting refreshed as we do what God is saying to do. That's awesome. 
That is awesome. And this is something that our pastor said years and years and years and years and years ago, that walking with God, doing what he's calling us to do, growing the way he's calling us to grow, it's busy. There's a lot of activity. But that within, when, when something is spoken by God, led by God, even in the middle of a battle, even in the middle of that kind of thing, if our reliance is on his ability and not ours, there is uh, actually, Cindy called it, an ease because of the anointing, even though what you're doing might be hard. Might be hard inwardly to get yourself to do it. It might be pressing forward in prayer. It might be pressing forward into some new area, either in your own life or believing God for something that's just way bigger than you can imagine on your own. I mean, it's, it's, it's active. It's, it, you're exerting faith. You're, you know, you're out there doing something, and yet there's this inward ease to it because God's at the center of it. Does that make sense? I, I don't know how well I'm, I'm describing that. But it's this continual rest and refreshment in the midst of activity. Spiritual rest is not a state of passivity or inactivity. God's ways are busy, but peaceful for the soul, even in warfare. And this is one way we can tell when we're doing spiritual warfare right, is that we're not reacting and striving out of fear. We don't see the devil as just as big as God. And we're here fighting this being that's as big as God. We realize he's a defeated foe. He was, he was on his best day a created being, an angel. Now he's fallen. We're the children of God. And yes, our part is to take authority over what he's doing, undo his works in this earth, to bring, you know, to, to pray God's will into this earth. Absolutely but it's more like fighting with a two-year-old than it is like, you know, fighting with a, a, a trained boxer, okay? It's uh, even a boxer, trained boxer dog. Uh, it's, it's, it's more like you have no right, stop it. So anyway, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that, but there's, it's peaceful for the soul. Even when you're in warfare or when you're striving forward in something, you're doing it in God's ability, all right, in the Greek, so in the New Testament, when it uses the word rest, it's an inward tranquility, again, in the midst of necessary labor. That's the definition of the Greek word. It is inward tranquility in the midst of necessary labor. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon me and uh, you will, you know, I will give you rest in those verses, which we may look at if we have time today. Um, when he talks about rest in that way, it is an inward tranquility in the midst of necessary labor. Here's the deal. In this planet, we live in a fallen condition, right, of, of this planet. This isn't how God designed it to be. You do realize that uh, labor in childbirth, maybe you don't realize labor in childbirth came about after the fall of man. And it was not a punishment for Eve. It was not a punishment because she was deceived and the man ate willingly, okay? It was not a punishment. God, in that whole passage, God says, 
you're going to work your tail off and weeds are going to grow. He says, you're going to have labor in childbirth. He just told them the consequences of what was going to happen. He didn't abandon them. It was not his curse upon them, as has been taught. He just said, you've given up this. You've entered into this. Here's what it's going to be like. But he immediately comes back and starts talking about sending a savior that's going to crush the head of the deceiver. Okay, go back and read it. So, so the point is, on planet Earth, bringing forth godly things, releasing heaven on Earth, it always requires labor in the sense of birthing. We are giving birth. We are receiving. We are hearing from God. We are ingesting the seed of his words and his thoughts and his heart for whatever and we are incubating that in our hearts and we are producing it in this earth. It's labor. It's like birthing. So seed comes in, it incubates, we pray it out, we live it out, we, we, we give examples of it, we pray for other people, we lay hands on sick people to see them recover. There's labor, there's spiritual labor that goes forth. Rest means in the middle of that labor, There's inward tranquility. There is peace that comes with the anointing of God on what you're doing. So this is a huge, huge idea because if we're going to bring forth godly things in a fallen planet, it will require labor. But it is labor like birthing, not labor like earning my way. Okay, because we're doing it in his ability. Are you with me? Make sense to you? Okay, so, so he tells us here in this verse, he says, here's what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads. All right, crossroads in the scripture, it's, it's an intersection. It's a place, it's an intersection of ideas. It's a place where we have choices in life, where there are diverging pathways. I could do it this way. I could do it with my trust in this. I could do it with my trust in this. I could do it with my trust in God. I could, I could live it this way. I could live it that way. There is a principle here that I could live by. I could do my business the way that the world does, or I could do my business the way that God says to do it. It's a, it's a place of choice, right? It's a crossroads. It's a place of choice. And what he tells us to do as we come to those in life, he says, first of all, stop. The Holy Spirit says, stop. All right, stop. Everybody know what stop means? Stop what you are doing. Wait before acting. Okay, stop what you're doing. Don't take the next step. Don't make that decision until you have stopped and sought God about it. And I just ask you, how many times have you made a mistake by being impulsive? I've made lots of mistakes by being impulsive. I want something to happen now. I, 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 and, I, and it's even things that I know this is what God wants. Well, so what's the time problem here, Lord? Let's get her done. Let's get it done now. Let's see it now. Well, a lot of times I make mistakes that way, or I can see that, oh, the Lord wants to bring this about in somebody's life. And I jump in with both feet and start, uh, you know, uh, trying to instruct or help or whatever. And I'm not necessarily even, even though my idea or what I'm seeing isn't wrong, I'm not going about it the right way because I didn't take the time to seek God about it. Okay, so he's not asking us to be stationary 
and never move. He's just saying before you make the decision, before at an intersection of ideas, stop. Don't be impulsive. Don't rush forward without hearing God. Okay, don't just proceed along the path of old habits, the way I've always done it, the way my family did it. Here's what my family did. I've had people say, my family just doesn't forgive people. We'll change. You know, what do you see in the Bible? Change. Stop that. Right? I mean, pick up the God's way of doing it. Your family was wrong. It sounds like they were a bunch of eggheads. Don't do it that way. Okay? That's what the... the uh, sweet pastoral part of me says, bunch of eggheads, stop it, okay? So, so consider the long-range consequences of what you're doing. Think about where this is going to go and invite the Lord in on that. Here's Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. From, uh, this is from the, the Living Bible, okay? It's the only place that's translated this way, but I think it's awesome. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, it says, Any enterprise is built by wise planning become strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. So there's in that, there's this constant idea of continually seeking God before we make decisions, before we move forward too fast. We are pressured constantly to move forward quickly. It's the way, it's what our society likes. Everything's supposed to be instant and it's getting worse because a lot of things are instant that didn't used to be instant. So it's getting worse as far as on the inside of us. So the first thing the Holy Spirit says when you come to a crossroads, stop. He says, stop. And then he says, look, right? He says, look, which means open your spiritual eyes and ears to, to perceive God's viewpoint, God's reality, which is called truth, by the way. God's reality. What's, if I make this decision, Lord, what is, what's your heart about that? What's your opinion? What are your thoughts on that? If it's this over here, I've got this. I'm at this crossroads, Lord. I'm going to stop and I'm going to look. I'm going to look at the word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to get quiet in my heart and see what he would say. I'm going to wait. Well, I, I've got to make the decision today. I've got to, I've got to. I'm going to lose the opportunity if I don't make it today. Then it's probably not God. I'm telling you, just from 40 years of experience with this, most of the time, the devil pushes the Lord leads. God will prepare you ahead of time. He'll, he'll, he'll prepare you so that when you come to that crossroads, most of the time you're already going to know which way God's going to take you because it lines up with everything he's been saying for the last 15 years. And so he'll keep you on a good path. But if it's these deals where it's like, oh, well, it's just there. And if you don't take it now, don't do it. Either that'll change and the opportunity will still exist or you will miss stepping on a landmine, one or the other, in 99.9% of the cases, all right? So we want to see, we want to see what's seen, but we want to live by what's unseen. We want to walk in what's unseen. We don't want to be ignorant of what's going on around us, but we want to walk in what is not seen, in the things of God in that, in that superior reality that is invisible to our eyes and ears, okay? I'll just give you these last two real quick. We'll probably come back to them next week. So he says, stop. He says, look around, okay? And then he says, ask. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Ooh, ask for the old way. Ugh, we hate that. Ask for the old way especially for you guys that are younger. I, I'm, I'm 
I'm enjoying being an old guy. Uh, ask for the old way. Ask for, that just means God's way. It's eternal, right? It doesn't change with every change in society. It doesn't change, you know, God's word and God's way is eternal. It doesn't change all the time. It doesn't matter if society has decided that God's way is old-fashioned and old-school. It's the truth. It doesn't change. It's not going to change for us. So break yourself against it or walk with it. It's kind of your choice. But that's the next thing. He says, ask, right? And I'll, I'll, we'll develop that some more next week. And, and then he says, walk in it. Then once you've stopped, looked around, asked, all right? You have not because you ask not. Jesus said, Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. After you've done those things, then he says, this is, I love this, then walk in it. Then do it, is what he's saying. Then walk in it. Because you're, you're still at the crossroads. You've, you've stopped, you've looked, you've asked, but you're still at the crossroads. And you still have the choice to take your own way or take God's way. You still have the choice at that point. So he has to say to us, then do it. Do what I said. I can't tell you, and I'll close with this. I can't tell you how many times in the last 30 some years, I've had somebody come up so many times right after service, sometimes in counseling settings, give people a whole list of, of things that are principles from the word. Apply these to your life. Try, you know, let's, let's do this. You know, apply this to your life. Start, stop doing it that way. Start doing it according to the word. Come back week after week after week and, and not really be struggling with it. Just, oh, yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't, didn't even think about it again after I left here. I've had people come up right after service and say to me more than once, say to me, yep, I, I see what we just looked at in the Bible. I, yeah, I see that. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's so scary. Like, really? You saw it. Oh, yeah, I saw it. I don't want to do it that way. It's like, well, okay. You know, then good luck. You know, I mean, you know. But I mean, to me, that's like, where's the fear of God? Where's the, if this is the word of God, then... And he, he just says, then walk in it, then do it, you know? And it's just amazing to me that God has to say this. And then their answer is, no, that's not the road we want. And, and you'd be surprised how many times, and you know, I know we're all kind of blind to our own stuff. I hope I don't do that. But I mean, it's, it was, it's, it's shocking to me when somebody does that. It's like, now that you see it, I mean, when we don't know, that's totally different. He'll teach us. He'll show us. He's great about it, you know. He, but he does hold us accountable to what we do know, to what we have heard. He holds us accountable to that. We're, we, you know, so, so do it, okay? That's my suggestion to you. Do it. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. There's blessing on the word, man. There is blessing along the path of the word. Father, I just thank you this morning for everything you've done. I know you touched a lot of us during communion, during worship. Lord, this morning, the things that you spoke to us then, we don't want to forget. So Holy Spirit, please, just as we go forward out of this place, remind us of what you have said to us today. 
And as we got into the word, I know you've spoken some things to us. So Lord, help us with those blind spots. We know you do. Lord, just eliminate those blind spots. Help us to, to really see where you were taking us, what you were instructing us in, what, what are you emphasizing now in our life, which might be different from a few years ago or different from a few years from now. But Lord, we need to know you're a good instructor. You're a good coach. So Lord, we want to work on the things you're saying now. So Lord, we just ask you to bring your word alive again and again and again in us through this week. We, we believe, we just know we're going to have opportunities to share with others the truth and the life that you're bringing to us, Lord. We just thank you for that. We thank you that, it, and I thank you that as the church goes out into this community this week, it's a better place to live. Lord, there are more jobs. There are more opportunities. There are more solid marriages. There are more lives coming to you. There are more people coming out of darkness and into light. Lord, there are more worshipers. There is more prosperity. There is more health, Lord, because of what you're doing in our community through your people. We thank you for that today, Lord. We give ourselves to that whole process in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord, or we declare this because we mean it. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. We're going to be dismissed. And then again, we're just going to go out there and be the church all week. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.